Welcome back to another episode of Quarren Stream, yet another CineSnob podcast. My name is Jared Kingery. And I am Cody Viafania. And uh, if you don't know us, uh, we'll introduce ourselves a little bit uh, here off the top. Uh, it's been a while since you've heard from us. Uh, we are film critics, Cody and I. This is our uh, third film-related podcast where we talk to people in the entertainment industry about what they're doing uh, during the uh, COVID-19 lockdown that apparently is going on forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, we decide to uh, we decided to talk to people um, that you know have their lives upended by this, even on, on a different scale, on the entertainment scale, like being stuck at home and, and not being able to, to sort of uh, ply their trade, as it were. Um, and we recommend movies for them. And our guest this week is a uh, musician, artist, and author, Tommy Siegel. Hello, Tommy. Welcome. Hey, hey. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. Um, you are a uh, musician. I think first and foremost, that's how I became aware of you um, in uh, the band Jukebox the Ghost, which um, my wife and I, I think we saw you in concert for the first time like 10 years ago. Awesome. In in San Antonio, you were on tour with the Bare Naked Ladies. I I remember that show really well. Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, we've seen you several times since then. Um, uh, it, you may not remember this, and my wife might kill me for mentioning it. My wife gave you a wanted to give you a wedding invitation for us to us uh, for our wedding last time we saw y'all. Oh, that's amazing! Uh, it was in Austin, and she's like, "We I want to give him an invitation," so she handed it to you, and I said, "Sure, why not?" But y'all were. Uh, <laughs> I think y'all were still y'all were touring with your Queen show at the time. That, um, that that sounds about right. Was it the Austin show? Yeah, with the Mowglies. Okay, yeah, awesome. yeah. So anyway, if she when she listens to this, she might yell at me for mentioning <laughs> that. But um, and uh, so you've been doing uh, this thing and kind of the 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 thing that's garnered a lot of attention on attention online from people that maybe don't know your music is your cartooning. Uh, can you tell us how you got started into that? Yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, cartooning was kind of my first love as a kid. Um, and, you know, I, I think I went through the classic thing of you go through puberty and you immediately lose interest in whatever hobby you had when you were 10. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I totally abandoned cartooning and went into music and really never looked back. But um, Jukebox goes toured a lot for many years. So we were we were doing like 150 to 200 shows a year for most of the first decade of our existence. Um, And on to pass time on long drives, I would take drawing requests from fans of the band on social media. So people would be like, can you draw the band as a three-headed cactus or whatever? (laughs) Um, And then I would draw it and tweet it back at them. And it kind of became like our, um, our social media touring shtick. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, I guess uh, two and a half years ago now, I kind of had the thought of like, what if I tried to take it seriously and instead of drawing what other people wanted me to draw, what, you know, wh- what do I want to draw? Um, so I started doing this daily cartoon challenge. So I did I did a comic every day for 500 days. Um, and yeah, quickly realized that it was something I was actually very passionate about. Um, yeah. That just hadn't been tapped into yet so um i mean in COVID era i certainly feel uh very lucky that i sort of accidentally hedged my bets against my own music career <laughs> um but yeah because I've, I've been very busy with um i've got um a book coming out and um my debut book is coming out in a month 
Ah, October sixth, exactly a month, really. Yeah, um, it's called "I Hope This Helps: Comics and Cures for the Twenty First Century Panic." Um, very timely title, and uh, the the cover, I I, I guess, is uh, is that you on the cover being represented um, in a fiery pit of hell, surrounded by cell phones? Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. I think for for any sort of um, you know person who's very connected on social media right now. Uh, so I want to go back to the the 500 thing. It started as a year long exp- uh, sort of project, right? And you expanded it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, like, yeah, I did it. I did it originally because I saw another cartoonist do um, 365 day challenge, and so I was like, let me try that. And then right at the end of the 365 days, it really was like snowballing. Like there were more and more people jumping on board, and so. It just seemed like a weird time to stop, even though I definitely needed a break. Um, yeah. So I kept it going for another, what, 135 days, something like that? Um, I don't know. How many? Yeah. 365 days in a year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Quick math. So uh, Quick math. You, you've kind of you've cultivated an entirely new fan base with that, I assume, right? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, because... Yeah, now I'm in that weird position where, uh, you know, people have found me from various things. Like, I do, like, these weird uh, nude portraits of the Pringle Man, and that <laughs> definitely brought in a lot of a certain kind of internet user. That's, um, that's You've uncovered some weird fetish there, probably. Uh, absolutely, and, and, and a fetish <laughs> I respect. Um, and, yeah, and then I have these Candy Hearts comics that kind of draw in a different group of people too and i also do a lot of political cartoons to kind of draw on a certain kind of crowd so anyways all those things combined now i'm in that weird position of um you know sort of broadcasting to my cartoon followers like hey i'm in a band yeah um but it's a real band i swear you know Um, (laughs) it's not a cartoonist band (laughs) well i don't know i guess maybe yeah i mean yeah um so have you um how did the book deal come about? Was it something that you sought out or did somebody seek you out because of the popularity of them? Um, I, yeah, an editor from Andrews McNeil, like basically slipped into my DMS on Instagram. Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) So I, yeah, it was very, very wonderful and lucky, uh, turn of events. Apparently they had been watching the daily project as it had been going into the final stretch, which I'm glad I didn't know that because I think that would have made me make very different comics. <laughs> not maybe not so many uh butts and nude Pringle men and <laughs> Yeah, less butts, less Pringle porn. Yeah. So uh what about the political stuff? Did that is that something that you waded into with any sort of trepidation or is it uh you just don't care what people think of your political opinion? Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like I've been wading fully nude into the political discourse for, for a long time. I just sort of now, um, am lucky enough that anybody cares what I think. Um, so yeah, I mean, it definitely like, I mean, weird, weird stuff comes up. Like I've, I've gotten death threats and weird, creepy messages and, um, you know, sort of the run a mill internet troll kind of stuff but uh, you know none of it makes me want to shut up most of the most of the time it just makes me want to talk louder so well uh i cody can back this up i've written several reviews of movies that are like military based oh yeah and there's like one particular troll guy that tries to call me out on every single one of them 
And uh, I, I don't know. Like, I, I hate <laughs> well, the military or something. I mean, like, well, part of the thing is that is that our our website is based in San Antonio, and San Antonio is a very traditionally military town. And anytime any kind of military movie comes out, uh, if you say anything negative about, even w- when you're critiquing the art of it, like that's what we do. We're critiquing the filmmaking and the acting and all that stuff. And it just so happens that a lot of these movies kind of fail in that category. Especially, you know, I think the one in particular, like, uh, the, what was that, Act of Valor, the one where they use, like, actual people? Like they cast that? actual Navy SEALs as to play the roles of themselves. So they're these are, you know, elite soldiers. They're not actors. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it, you know, it very much showed uh-huh. <laughs> in the final product. So, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, that's that's kind of the, the quote-unquote very online culture. It's either, you know people that are i think there, it feels like there's two sides there's like the people that are sardonic and sarcastic and then there's the super right wingers who are going to you know believe every conspiracy they read and um you know threaten you for you know disparaging the president in the cartoon with the naked pringle man or whatever <laughs> whatever however it ends up yeah i find that it's just best uh to just make whatever you want to make and it, you know if you can uh you know, I'll try and check up on the comments, like, in the first hour, just to make sure I didn't have a punctuation or spelling error or something. <laughs> but after that, it's sort of like, uh, you know, this sort of... You sort yeah. of just have to let the internet do its thing, and they'll forget about it in a couple of days if somebody was upset about it, so... Where's the weirdest um, sort of share you've seen one of your cartoons show up on? Um, gosh, I mean, the, 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 yeah, the weird thing about... Uh, yeah, I, from doing music for so long, I mean, part of the reason I started doing comics for our social media is because the kind of algorithms of social media are so not conducive to music. Right. They're very yeah. much meant for pictures and mm-hmm. kind of funny blips of text and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I just found that uh, cartoons just like did a lot better um and i keep finding that over and over again it's just i'll I'll find my comics in weird corners of the internet which will then reach people that and sometimes musicians that i don't think i would have ever reached with my music but i can reach them with my comics (laughs) and like like ringo star like retweeted one of my cartoons and that's you know incredible yeah super Uh, cool uh Go ahead, Cody. Sorry. I was just. I'm super curious to to know if if you see the sort of crossover between, like the music, uh, the music leading itself to finding more fans of your cartoons and the uh, cartoons finding more fans to to your music. Do you find that you're seeing like results from from like that cross pollination of of those two arts? You know, I think. If I'm being totally honest, I think that there is a lot less cross-pollination than I think I would have hoped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's sort of like, you know, it's like, think about the last meme page you've looked at. Like, have you ever wondered, like, I wonder if that guy's in a band? You know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, you, um, and, and then, like, when something goes viral, you see people promoting their SoundClouds and stuff. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the perfect um, sort of little anecdote for <laughs> what that experience is. So, I'm, I... I I've tried to kind of think about how whether it's my solo music or Jukebox the Ghost can kind of ride the internet coattails of my comics. But in the end, I think only the comics can ride the coattails of the comics. And sometimes not even that. 
Yeah, it's very hard to get people to switch platforms like that. Um, you know, whether it's like, hey, I, uh, you know, listen to this show and, and then, or hey, watch this show. Like our other podcast, we just started doing a video version of it. And people watch that that never would have ever listened to the show. That's true. Interesting. Uh, you know, like my, my sister-in-law is like, oh, I didn't know you did a podcast. Like, yeah, we've been doing it for six years. <laughs> um going back to the music thing uh so you've just released your your first is this your first solo album it is my first okay so it's called another century wasted um and it's on uh digital now um and you've got an lp a limited edition lp coming out um yeah how super stoked about that how is it um um i know with like jukebox of ghost you've been on like conan and letterman with this record, you really can't do any of that, right? No, I mean, you know, not not that I necessarily would have been doing that kind of stuff on well, this record, but um, it, uh, yeah, it's a weird time, you know. We're quarantined here, so it's uh, and it's very much a record that was designed to be played live with um, a full band, even though it is a quote solo record. I did like mm-hmm. a tour kind of testing it out like a year and a half ago so i had um but i i did the bare minimum lineup there and it was still five people because you need a need someone on auxiliary percussion and cowbell and a drummer and a bassist and two guitarists so in order to kind of even execute anything that sounds remotely like the record so yeah i've just been doing uh, record promotion in a totally unorthodox coronavirus kind of way where i'm just doing a lot of instagram live drawing and talking about behind the scenes stuff um kind of like going into the the process of making the record but yeah it's um it's a weird time to put out a record but it also is the kind of record where i knew i couldn't wait to put it out because it's sort of thematically linked to where we are um yeah it's very, um, it's very, it's uh, very burn the whole thing down sort of. <laughs> yeah. If I had to describe it, did yeah. you did you start writing the like how like in terms of like writing and recording the material? Where was that in the timeline? At, like, was that all completely done prior to all of this, or did any of it happen during that time frame? Um, yeah, none of it was actually done during COVID. Um, yeah, so I did it all. It, it took it took about four years to put together. Um, granted, I was doing other stuff like the a jukebox record and the 500 Days of Comics stuff. Um, but yeah, I was looking at some of the demos recently and realizing they they, they were from 2015. So wow, um, took a while to come together. Um, and I think um, you know we're in one of those weird years where if you've been a cynic or a pessimist, you end up <laughs> looking like prophetic. <laughs> and I don't. I have absolutely nothing prophetic in me. But I think I'm, I've been a very <laughs> cynical person, especially the last, like, four years. Um, and so I've lucked into, I think, some of, the, some of the themes on the record and some of the lyrics get to sound like they're very of the moment, even though they're not. Yeah, I mean, and you pair that with the, you know, the cartoons, especially the Candy Heart stuff, I think, is, yeah, that cynicism sort of uh, has, has calcified in people, and, and it's kind of the perfect opportunity to be like well everything fucking sucks now so (laughs) (laughs) might as well just deal with it and and share something funny so uh when did um going back to the cartoons when did it 
when did it change for you? Like you talked about doing the doodles on the bus or on the, on the, in, you know, in the van or whatever. Um, and then kind of upping your production game to the, the digital drawing. Is it, was it always something that was, that you wanted to, to kind of mess with or, or has, was that something that you made a, a significant effort to, to learn along the way, uh, you know, as you were doing that project? Um, yeah, it, it all just kind of came in, 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 in weird spurts. I mean, really early on, I feel like I was given a lot of encouragement um, that kind of made it clear that I shouldn't hang it up anytime soon. Like, when I was talking about, like, Ringo retweeting one of my cartoons, I think that was, like, on, that was, like, 20 days in or something. <laughs> um, so, that was, like, this moment of, like, at that point, I didn't have many people following along, but I was, like, that's you know it's like a Beatles dork that was like you know it doesn't really get cooler than that um so yeah it just sort of kept snowballing from there I was gradually taking it more seriously instead of you know getting art supplies and then eventually um got an got an iPad with a iPad pencil and yeah it just took it kind of took having the audience grow with it for me to take it seriously um, and I sort of luckily had, uh, maybe, you know, part of it was, I guess, through the band, there were enough people kind of watching initially mm-hmm. that it, it was, it was inspiring me to continue to like up my game and not put out a, a really crappy product every day. <laughs> what, how, uh, so did you literally do one every day or did you bank some so you could take a day off? I was pretty much always at minimum putting the finishing touches on something the day that it came out. I mean, I was definitely like tweaking and playing with ideas kind of in a, in a constant, um, assembly line, you know, but, um, most of the time it felt more like, (laughs) what's that Lucille ball sketch where she's like at the candy factory right oh yeah where the chocolates yeah yeah yeah. that's what it was like you you, (laughs) you can try and get ahead but you still have to put out a new comic tomorrow and um you can't really get ahead (laughs) so it's just constantly working do you have do you did you ever feel like you phoned it in there were yeah and i can point to the ones that i phoned (laughs) in yeah for sure is there any is there any um correlation between that and like say say there's something you thought was phoned in but it was really popular. Is there? Has there ever been any? As, was there any kind of accidents like that? <laughs> yeah, for definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have one in particular you'd like to point out? Um, or, or general, there was one day where I couldn't think of anything, and so I just drew an eagle, like an eagle with a man's body and a man's butt, <laughs> but like a bald eagle head, and I can't remember. I put him holding a sign and had some. <laughs> trite political butt <laughs> joke or something um and I, I i really thought i was phoning it in but that one ended up on like the front page of reddit <laughs> so like, that reminds me I, I do i've been uh writing for the hard times this past six months or so Oh, great um and i just threw this pitch out there that i was like it just made me laugh and it was and it was uh rick moranis is back and he's here to fuck <laughs> And then I, it got approved, and I had no idea how to write it. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> so I just wrote a bunch of like, like really overarching like sex, like like references to sex and about people being horny, and uh, it it did it was I, I had no idea that 
that I could pull that off, and uh, it uh, it <laughs> it got a lot of polarizing response from my friends and family. But uh, <laughs> makes sense so, to me. Yeah. yeah is there um is there one comic that that really stands out to you as a favorite? Um, I think the ones that are my favorites are usually not the ones that are everyone else's favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, I, sometimes they like coincide. Like there's this one of um, a Candy Hearts comic I did of. For which, for any listeners who haven't seen them, the setup is sort of just that, you know, those uh, conversation hearts you get on Valentine's Day. So that I have the, them as characters, so that the text that's on the heart represents what they're thinking on the inside, but not saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had this comic of two uh, parent hearts sitting on a couch, and one says, you know, we won't mess you up like our parents. Oh yes, I know the one. Up on you know, split across each of the parents, and then on the baby heart, it just says a whole new kind of fucked up. And I think <laughs> for me, that one kind of like when I can really get the needle on the, you know, really nail it in like as few words as possible. That's something kind of deeper, but that's also funny. That's those are the ones that make me happy. But also, I really like the dumb ones, and a lot of people don't. Like oh, I love dumb. I, man, I'm such a big fan of stupid humor. That, that's got to be a challenge, though, to like to balance like incisive political humor with like really dumb type of stuff. Like that, like finding that balance. Well, especially too, because I think the audience is like, it, when I post a dumb one, they're looking for what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> looking for like the deep dark secret that's in, like, like hidden inside. Like, yeah, what like is I, this eagle's ass? Yeah, I had one that was just um like the cover of Moby Moby Dick. Um, the book, but I had the whale with just a huge ass coming out of the ocean, and it's <laughs> called Moby Butt. And, and um, I had a lot, I noticed a lot of people in the comments being like, what does he mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Trying to decipher it. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, I, uh, I, and I bug, I bug Cody with this. I'm a big fan of the new, the new run of Garfield, of Garfield. Oh, you God fucked damn it up. It. I fucked it up. Heathcliff. <laughs> Because uh, it's just sort of the same. I mean, there's, it never gets political, but there's just sort of this absurd. I, I'm humor. Ar- I'm arguing that it's anti-humor. It's not actually funny. Oh, wait, what do you mean by the new run of Heathcliff? Heathcliff well, so the, Did somebody else get the rights to it or something. Well, like it's the original creator's uh, nephew. Oh. Um, he's been doing it for a, a lot of years, but in the last like three or four, it's gotten really absurd. Really, like like just sort of this Dadaist like nonsense sometimes. All like, the time. It's always nonsense. What are you talking about? Well, I mean, sometimes there's a joke, and there really is a joke. <laughs> um, but then other times it's just like Heathcliff will be wearing a helmet that says ham, and it's like someone just says, "Well, I don't like the looks of that." Like it's it's just a bizarre. <laughs> I mean that, and I don't. I'm not that far off. Man, I might <laughs> be into Heathcliff now. I you no should idea. check. You should for sure check it it's out. Like and Nancy, then, you seen the new? Oh Nancy. yeah, the new Nancy's great. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, um, that's um, Olivia James is the pen name. I don't know. I sh- that's a an alias, obviously. But yeah, that new Nancy is really uh, it's incisive and it uses such a antiquated cartoon like the what's a uh, Sluggo, her friend. That yeah, uh, yeah, he's like dressed in like a newsy cap. Like he looks like he's you know a nineteen twenties like shoe shine kid, and it talks about the internet and robots and stuff. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um so uh is there something um to be said for being considered like a a web comic 
author like there's there's sort of this this i guess um these these silos that the web comics go in. There's either like really funny, like sort of, um, you know, technology nerd stuff, and then there's like hyper political crap, like Ben Garrison. I don't know if you've ever seen Ben Garrison. That's oh, that's he's, that's yeah, we have, yeah. He's a madman. Another another universe, really. Yeah. Um, is there I something? He was re- a joke at first because he reminds me of the Onion political. Oh yeah, the character. Kelly. Um, yeah. There, there's a one of him with when Kobe Bryant died and he drew a basketball that was crying basketballs. It was <laughs> a bizarre fucking thing. It's so strange. But most of them are like tr- like like sucking President Trump's dick. Yeah. Like like drawing him like as a muscle man. Like anyway, um, is there is there something to be said for being you know you're 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 political but you're more just sort of funny. You know uh. you're. You're not. I mean, you're not like trying to prove your point. You're you're using. You know, it's satirical. It's not like a a blatant hit you over the head with a political point. Yeah, I mean, for for I'm I'm, I'm glad you think they're funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for me, I feel like I'm just sort of stepping up to bat fresh every time I do a comic, um, and that's kind of what I like about it. Like, I you know, other than the candy hearts, which I've you know explored a fair amount. Um, you know, I haven't really found like a consistent set of characters I wanted to stick with. So, right now I'm enjoying the sort of freedom of just being able to use the medium to say whatever the hell it is comes to my head. Um, but yeah, maybe at some point I'll kind of like stick to a thing. But for now, I kind of like being able to just be nimble and kind of be political and then be not political at all and then barely be a cartoon at all the next day. Um Uh, but yeah it's kind of like getting to make i mean it's weirdly you know comics are i don't know it's a it's it's not a golden age for comics i wouldn't say but i would say that the people's appetite for memes has meant that comics have just gone along for the ride um and so yeah it's almost like i've realized that you know I am a comic artist, but at the end of the day, I'm on the same platform with meme makers and competing with that kind of content. Right. Um, People just stealing stuff, essentially, almost. Yeah, I'm doing, like, artisanal memes, essentially. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Is there some... I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, it's just handmade memes. Handmade memes. Yeah, very Brooklyn of you. Uh, (laughs) Is there something that you have in mind uh, for the future? Like, you said that maybe you'll find yourself one day doing, like, a recurring character. Is there anything you've ever kicked around in your head about, you know, actually writing maybe a graphic novel or continuing on with a a strip that's you know, has some sort of recurring recurring characters and storylines? Well, so right now I'm kind of in a phase where I just finished two books, um, actually, to, as of two days ago. Oh, um, nice. so I've got this book coming on October, and then I've got a. F- uh, I guess I'm maybe I'm maybe I'm spoiling some news here, but I think it's searchable on Amazon now. So it's I on your it's on your uh, web page, so I. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, um, so. Uh, I've got uh, a, a book of just candy hearts coming out um, hmm. in the new year. Um, so I've been working really hard on those and I'm kind of looking forward to being kind of that open space to just sort of figure out what the hell's next. Um, you know, but I would love to find a way to combine, you know, 
music and the visual thing, whether that's in animated content or I'm not quite sure yet. Um, but um, looking forward to finding a way to kind of find that that nexus point. That's that's oddly, um, Jared. Have you watched Feels Good Man yet? I have not yet. No. So one thing. So Tommy, this is a this is a uh, there's a documentary that's coming out this week to kind of like lead us uh, lead us into a film conversation uh, called Feels Good Man, and it's a documentary about the cartoonist who created Pepe the Frog. Oh yeah. And um, and basically how his creation was co opted into this you know alt right super you know dangerous type of mascot essentially. And it's it's amazing, and you should really check it out. But um, it's interesting that they have uh, these old Pepe the Frog cartoons um, animated for the first time in the movie. So there's lots of animation in it where it's taking like a, a like old cartoons and animating it for the first time. And I was, and that kind of leads me to ask if if there's ever been like a, a situation in which you've like I saw you had like the um, like the 20th Century Fox parody thing set to like animated and set to music and stuff like that. Has there ever been like an opportunity where you felt like there was a good way to animate something like that and, and take that next step? And, and, and if so, like what you think that might look like for you? Yeah. I mean, I've, um, I've been too busy to explore it, but I have a good friend in California who's an animator and we've been working together on some little bits and pieces of things. Um, she actually animated, I, I submitted for a Burger King commercial, like theme song years ago. <laughs> oh, I watched that. Um, yeah, and she turned my rejected, totally atrocious song into an animated, um, you know, 15-second video. Um, so, we're, we're hoping to figure out something, just because we know we work well together and and uh, have a similar aesthetic. And um, Yeah, but I'd, I'd love to find a way to, to really dig in. I, I've just been sort of uh, blown away by how hard animation is every time I do it by hand. Uh, you know, like I made a teaser video for one of my songs that came out a few weeks ago. There was just, just a weird <laughs> creature with legs dancing was, around in time with the song. And, it was an ass, right? Like yeah, an ass? Yeah, yeah, that too. Okay. <laughs> you can't leave that part out. That's my work. Yeah, that is sort of your, uh, your, your calling card. <laughs> for better or worse, uh, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, doing that, um, that animated thing was, you know, a reminder of like, you, you know, you could. Uh, it's, let's say it's a. It was like a thirty-second clip. It's twenty-four frames per second. So you mm-hmm. end up drawing, you know, seven hundred drawings to make one thirty-second animation that's not particularly detailed. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I I don't know. I the more and more research I've done, I've just been like, oh wow, they really they animate everything in other countries where it's cheaper. Um, just because it, it, it takes an insane amount of 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 time and effort. Um, so, anyways, w- with my friend's help, I'm hoping to kind of kick it kick it into a kick it into high gear and explore some d- new ideas. When you said you did it by hand, like was it on paper or was it all digital? It was all digital, but okay, yeah, by hand Still, on a digital pencil. <laughs> gotcha. I didn't. It just some people are, uh, you know, kind of romantic about keeping things on paper and. Yeah, I mean, mine's sort of in between because I think a lot of people who do computer animation would copy and paste frames and, um, you know, have shortcuts to animating it. And I sort of did a tradition. I've been doing a traditional cell animation technique, but on an iPad. 
Mm. Ah, yeah, I um, I've I used to draw quite a bit, and I could never quite make that jump to digital. Uh, so I'm very left behind in the in the art world. Well, actually, d- so out of curiosity, did you have you tried it since like Procreate and the the iPad program and uh, iPad pencils and stuff have been around? I have not. I've tried it a little bit with my Surface. Um, okay. And the Surface Pen, I just haven't really kind of sat down to do it. Well, um, I would I would recommend messing around, to, especially with the if you're if you're at a store or something where they have the the iPad to try because, and especially they have these new uh, screens that you that you can't order through Apple, but people are making online that turn your screen a little uh, rougher so that it has the texture of paper. Oh wow! Instead of glass, and so and that helps a lot. I'm gonna have to try that because that is um, that's the kind of the biggest thing I think that I had to overcome was, you know, not having that sort of tactile feeling of it. Uh, you know, it feels weird because you're just like touching something hard to glass that doesn't have any kind of give or. Yeah, no, it's like it's like walking on ice in bowling shoes. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, the the screens help a lot. That's cool. I'm gonna have to look at the, look into that. Uh, so uh, let's go ahead and move on to what we have uh, assembled here for, and that is uh, to recommend movies to you to watch during quarantine. So Tommy, uh, tell us kind of what you've been watching. I, I assume you've been watching stuff, right? I've been watching um, a little bit of stuff, but not not a ton of stuff. Um, just because I've been working on these books so intensely mm-hmm. uh been as far as movies though um let's see i i saw the movie honey boy the other night which mm-hmm. okay uh, have you guys seen that one yes yeah i have yeah i thought that was actually pretty amazing yeah it's the first time the i think they've shia labeouf has successfully like harnessed his craziness <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, no, very successfully to the point where I didn't even realize that was him in the movie. Um, did you ever, uh, just to, on a quick side note, did you ever watch Project Greenlight? No. The, f- the filmmaking show? So there's a, um, I think the second season, you never watched it either, did you, Cody? The, the, I, I just, the I just watched seasons? the most recent season a couple years ago, but I haven't so seen Beyond. So if you don't know, it's the, it was like a competition, like a reality show from Ben Affleck and Matt Damon about you know, hiring, you know, getting people to that want a contest, writing a screenplay and uh, to direct a film. And the second season focused on this movie, uh, I think it was called The Battle of Shaker Heights. Yeah, that sounds familiar. And they cast Shia LaBeouf in the lead. And he was like a 16-year-old t- kid at the time and just been on the, whatever that Disney Channel show was. Even, Even Stevens. Stevens. And I remember they featured his parents in there and they were bonkers weirdos. <laughs> so I can totally see like yeah honey boy like okay yeah I saw this like 15 years ago in the reality show so yep pretty accurate wow anyway sorry to tangent there so you watched honey boy what else uh let's see um I mean I I had the experience recently of um we all I I'm in sort of a quarantine pod with some friends up in uh Maine for the summer oh, okay and so we were kind of recommending things to each other and the had sort of had a round robin week where everybody made everyone else watch a movie they liked. Nice. And so, um, yeah, mine was uh, um, the wrong trousers uh, with Wallace and Gromit. <laughs> oh, cool. So, um, 
that said, um, we had a little uh, discussion prior to the show, um, sort of like what streaming services you have and uh, what um, what sort of movies you were into. So Cody and I came up with some recommendations, and uh, let's hear them now. Cody, go ahead and give a, give Tommy your recommendation. Yeah, so th- I think the feedback we got was like uh was like sci-fi was was uh was maybe a good genre to kind of work within the the constraints of and then also the idea that uh you had mentioned that kind of dystopian was maybe not the right like that wasn't the right mood for right now which is completely understandable and uh and i kind of agree with on that but um so i tried to blend those things and um my recommendation is a is a movie called safety not guaranteed uh safety not guaranteed is a indie movie uh, that came out in 2012 that uh, maybe most notably um, it was the debut film for Colin Trevorrow who ended up um, making the Jurassic World movie and then <laughs> uh, infamously kind of losing a Star Wars movie um, um, after he, he made a movie called Book of Henry. And um, a lot of people attribute him losing that Star Wars movie to the uh, failure of the Book of Henry, but I don't know. Um, but anyway, it's it's sort of... It's like, it's not quite sci-fi, but it has sci-fi ideas in it. What it really is, is it's a small, really small independent movie about a guy who um, essentially is looking for someone to time travel with him and puts an ad out in a paper. And it's based on a real story of someone who put out a similar classified ad of someone looking to, uh, for someone to accompany him on a, on a trip back in time. And uh, I, it's just a really kind of sweet movie. I, t- I took the not dystopian note to heart and tried to uh, bring forward a movie that was um, you know kind of sweet and nice and uh, it's got a great performance from Mark Duplass who I think is one of the most underrated actors working right now it's also got Jake Johnson and Aubrey Plaza and uh, yeah it's it's it sort of is, a, is an interesting movie and in sort of independent film lore because it, it kind of opened up the doors for um, really small budgeted movies to kind of have that crossover effect. Like it's, it's not, it's certainly not the first to do that, but, um, there's, if you kind of research the movie, you will find articles on like variety and and other trade publications about how safety, not guaranteed really kind of, uh, blew the doors open on, um, how to make a movie really cheaply and, um, and kind of crossover. So it was, it was popular when it came out, but that's my pick safety, not guaranteed. And I believe that is on Netflix. Okay, so my pick, um, I went a little, di- little different direction here. I didn't pick uh, Dystopian, but it is a sci-fi movie that um, is kind of notoriously misguided. And that's a movie called Jupiter Ascending. Uh, have you heard of this, Tommy? Uh, yes. It's by the uh, Wachowskis, who of course are... Um, is it Wachowskis or Wachowskis? I've never known. I, I, th- I always heard it as Wachowskis. I thought that was how you you say like the ch in that sort of uh polish that makes accent sense. that makes sense anyway, didn't mean to interrupt. It, no no it's fine um the wachowskis uh who of course did the matrix and then a bunch of bad movies after that a bunch of bad no matrix one, movies after that like two bad matrix movies uh um cloud atlas and um speed racer i think yeah um anyway this is a uh space opera um <laughs> If, if you will, <laughs> well, yeah, it, space opera in the sense that it's uh, really grandiose. There's no, I don't think there's, there was no singing in it, right, Cody? I don't remember. I don't recall, singing. but I sort of block this one out of my memory a little. Anyway, bit. <laughs> it stars uh, Mila Kunis as a. Um, her name is Jupiter Jones. Um, 
Anyway, and she is the uh, sort of uh, ex- uh, exiled descendant of this like uh, royalty space royal family, essentially. And the patriarch dies, and um, the siblings like fight over the empire that's been left behind. Um, one of those being the main villain, being uh, Eddie Redmayne. Oh, I forgot about this subplot here. Who is um, alternatively? This is also the year Eddie. Red, this movie came out like two weeks before he won an Oscar for. They were, and yeah, he won the Oscar for the Theory of Everything for playing uh, Stephen Hawking. And I remember this. I, I forgot about this, but they were trying to kind of bury this movie a little bit to not ruin his chances of winning an Oscar. So, so Tommy, he sort of plays this maniacal, uh, you know, guy who goes from like yelling to whispering and yelling. Um, it's a really committed performance, I have to say. I don't know that it's good. Um, and that's kind of the thing about the movie is that it's very, very committed to everything. Like the the production design is is gorgeous, frankly. Um, and the music, it's the music is by Michael Giacchino. Um, just the storyline is bizarre and strange. Uh, the strangest one of all, uh, the being the character that Channing Tatum plays, who is a um, his name is Kane Wise, and he's a genetically engineered um, like space soldier who's half human and half dog. <laughs> With the name Kane, and he sort of um, flies around on basically space rollerblades. Um, Man, I don't know if if, you, if Tommy picks this, I, I have more to say. But, but like the one thing I remember from watching this movie in theaters is how hard I laughed at the space rollerblades. <laughs> sure, um, look. I'm not going to tell you it's a good movie, but it is a fascinating movie because there is so much money put into this and it's, it's over two hours long. It's clearly, clearly a very, very expensive movie. And it's, it's clearly made on the, the prior reputation that the Wachowskis built up for the matrix. Like they, they're coasting on the matrix goodwill at this point. And it finally, finally runs out of gas on them, I think, in this movie. movie. Um, but, I mean, it's it looks amazing. It sounds amazing. But the story is just so goofy. Um, and the characters, uh, like Channing Tatum, is, is super goofy. Uh, Eddie Redmayne is doing something bizarre. Not that it's not interesting, but it's super bizarre. Um, and... The whole Mila Kunis thing. Mila Kunis is just not is lost in this movie. Um, <laughs> but that is on HBO. Go, uh, sorry, HBO Max, I believe. And um, it's uh, yeah, Jupiter Ascending from the Wachowski. So uh, please choose from one of those. Don't tell us what you're choosing right now. We'll talk about that next week. And uh, you have a, a recommendation for us, right, Tommy? Well, you know, on the tradition of, um, uh, you know, I think. COVID for me has been all about kind of returning home to a lot of old comforts <laughs> and rediscovering them because they feel very safe in a very mm-hmm. strange time. Um, and I was just an Ardman animation freak. Um, right, yeah. At, yeah, as a kid. So I, I got to go with uh, wrong, The Wrong Trousers here. The Wrong Trousers. I've never nec- I've never actually seen that one. Same. Oh, great. Oh, I've s- awesome. I've seen, um, I think, Chicken Run. Uh, was the first Ardman thing I saw. And then um, I believe I saw the, the Wallace and Gromit movie, 
whatever that one was called. The Curse of the Were Rabbit. I believe oh, yes. the theatrical one, yeah. Yeah, and then um I don't think I ever saw the 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 mouse one that was computer computer animated. Is that the one? I don't remember. I don't know. I feel like there was something with Hugh Jackman that was had it was as a mouse. Maybe that was it. I'm trying to think there was Early Man, there was Shaun the Sheep. Um there was a pirate movie that I never saw that Ardman did. But oh, yes. I mean The Wrong Trousers is kind of the one that started it all. I mean, they had a Grand Day Out, which is the first Wallace and Gromit short, but it sort of feels like a feels like a test run, and then The Wrong Trousers is like I mean, I'm excited for you to see it because it's kind of just like a. I, I'm almost imp- surprised that I liked it so much as a kid because as an adult, you watch it and you just think, "Well, this is just a, like a Hitchcock movie." Yeah, um, it's great. Yeah, it's uh, it it won an Oscar, right? The, it did. It, yeah. Wow. Uh, okay. Cool. So that is um, um, Ardman Animations, Wallace and Gromit: The Wrong Trousers. We'll watch that one. When we come back next week, we'll talk about uh, what you picked, and we'll talk about the wrong trousers. Uh, Tommy, thank you for joining us. Uh, for so people me. can find you on social media at Tommy Siegel. That's correct. And uh, your web comics are there. Your album, uh, uh, excuse me, another century wasted is on digital right now. Yeah, wherever and, you listen to music, it's it's there. And your book, I hope this helps. Excuse me. I hope this helps. Comics and Cures for 20th First Century Panic is out on uh, October 6th, and you c- it's available for pre-order now. And uh, there's an ebook and everything, too. So. Um, Nailed it. And uh, maybe, uh, maybe someday you'll get to tour again. Who knows? Yeah, someday maybe a book tour, too. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. We'd yeah. maybe drawing butts, like signing with butts in everyone's... Everyone's copies, so yeah. If they'll let me do it on the Barnes and Noble, I'll, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I do notice on the cover, uh, the dinosaur you're drawing does have a butt. So <laughs> yeah, um, I had to sneak that in. Uh, uh, Tommy, thanks for joining us. Uh, you can listen to our other podcasts, the Cinesnob Podcast, where we are reviewing um, weekly VOD movies. Uh, that's uh, uh, what am I trying to say, Cody? Oh yeah, it's on video now. Yeah. So you can watch us. You can on our, see us. on our YouTube channel or at eight PM Central on Sunday nights. We're live on Twitch. You can see uh, Cody's various uh, promotional hats that he wears. Yes, uh, it's a running joke. Uh, also, re MCU, where we are rewatching the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, our latest episode, a few months old now. On um, what was it on? Uh, that was uh, um, oh my god! Oh, it's Thor. The was. No, it's, it's Thor, Thor the, the Dark, Dark World, World with Eddie, yeah. Is, okay, yes, Thor the Dark World. we've been putting off uh, Winter Soldier for a while, so. Yes, yeah. Um, also, Cody, you've got another show. Yeah, I have a show called The Ramble. It's with comedians Jerry Rocha and Eddie Pence. It's just kind of a pop culture bullshit kind of show. So if you're into that, we have, we're on four nights or four days a week. So um, you can find that at... Um, just the ramble Jerry Rocha wherever you get podcasts and if you're listening to this show for the first time and you like the format um, we've got a back catalog of 20 other episodes and we've got some great guests we talked to a lot of stand-up comedians we recently had Chris Cubas who was kind of famously on at midnight um, and I think I, I I'm partial to the episodes with Santos Montano who's another musician and Sean Donnelly another comedian um, so check those out we've got uh, we've got some good shows there you hear that everybody else that was on the show Cody doesn't give a shit well, they were all great guests, Jared. Okay. <laughs> um, again, Tommy, thank you for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week. 
Sounds good. On that note, I am Jared Kingery. And I am Cody Viefania. 